0: This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries.
1: Hi, this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association, and thank you for joining us today for our podcast entitled, Practice Makes Perfect. Bring experiential learning to life. And today, we're thrilled to have David James Clark IV with us here. David, thank you for joining us.
2: Glad to be here.
1: Many of you may know ToolWire's founder, David, who has over 25 years of industry, passion, and entrepreneurial spirit to his e-learning architecture, publishing, and speaking projects. He's an educational pioneer who developed the company's company-centric philosophy and learning methodology which originated with the concept of live, hands-on learning for students in an anywhere, anytime format. David is an industry expert in the education and e-learning industries and is a best-selling author of over 34 technology and learning books. Prior to Toolwire, David served as a technology architect and professor at the University of California, Berkeley, where he pioneered one of the very first multi-sensory learning systems for technology. Prior to the University of California, Clark founded the Computer Telephony Institute and served as director of systems integration at the Walt Disney Company. David, we're thrilled to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I know you're presenting today at the United States Distance Learning Conference, and I'm very excited to join your presentation. As we were discussing, David, from your abstract, you say that knowledge is no longer power. Instead, you say that access to knowledge is power. What do you actually mean?
2: Well, I'd like to say the profound changes created by the Internet over the last 20 years have affected the 21st century knowledge worker more than any other group. The ability of individuals to access massive amounts of information on seemingly every subject might sound cool, but it presents both benefits and challenges to the learner. Having ubiquitous information at your fingertips is a luxury, but it really fundamentally changes the way we learn and perform. Let's start by just taking a quick look at how the world is changing. Harvard Business Review recently published a report that was fascinating that found that we as a human race have published more user-generated content in the year 2009 than in the cumulative history of mankind through 2008, which is fascinating if you consider how many great tones and videos and information have been created. In 2009 alone, we created more than the entire history of mankind. And this information can be categorized really in three different buckets. First, there's core information, which doesn't change very much. And that's really what you need to do your job. That's the core skills. Then there's contextual information, which is relevant to what you do or who you are, but changes from time to time. And then there's detailed information, which is constantly in flux. In fact, we're being inundated by detailed information. So in the traditional learning model, we forced students to memorize all that content. And really, in this new paradigm, we want to focus on accessing the contextual and detailed information when they need it, and really studying and learning the core information. Bottom line, no matter what happens, learners forget 70% of what they're taught. So I'd rather they forget the detailed information so that they can go find it on the internet when they need to.
1: How does experiential learning embrace the changing nature of work?
2: Well, that's a great question. I think one particular piece of research that came out that was fascinating for me, Robert Kelly at Carnegie Mellon shined a bright light on the evolution of experiential information experiential learning. He studied several thousand knowledge workers over 20 years and asked a simple question. What percentage of the knowledge you need to do your job is stored in your own mind? In 1986, the average percentage was 75%. So that means you get up, you go to work, and you do your job, 75% of what you need is in your head. In 2008, 10 years after the rise of the internet, that percentage had dropped all the way under 10%, which means today, between 90 and 95% of what you need to do your job is experiential. In addition, Stolovich and Keeps did some interesting research regarding actual performance improvement that occurs during and after a learning event. They found that knowledge acquisition slightly improves during class, but then dips down dramatically after class. This is caused by the forgetting curve. They termed this the post-class adjustment. However, with continuous practice and access to experiential on-the-job tools, Students were able to maintain the knowledge acquisition curve and achieve the desired performance improvement. Bottom line, 95% of what you need to do your job is experiential, and you need to have constant access to on-the-job tools in order to focus on those core skills.
0: In
1: your description of experiential, would you say it's synonymous with collaborative? And what do the digital natives think of this new learning paradigm?
2: Well, it's great you catch on to that. I think absolutely experiential, um, in its most effective state, experiential learning is highly collaborative. After all, humans are social animals, and it's how we engage with our environment, especially now with all the social networking tools that are available. Digital natives bring a very different skill set and mindset to learning. They're co-creators, they're self-directed, and vociferous in their appetite for information. Think about Twitter, 50 million posts a day. So that's way too much information. In addition, digital natives expect to participate in the acquisition of knowledge. They want to co-create and collaborate with their learning environment. And they expect learning to be highly engaging and interactive. Here's an example. A typical classroom, a student would engage with their instructor, engage with their environment about 20 times in a week, if you can imagine that. The recent Halo 3 video game, one million interactions and engagements. So the digital natives are really coming in with a sense of, I want to participate in my learning, I want to participate in the acquisition of knowledge, and I need to be engaged. Experiential learning is perfect for that.
1: Could you just describe a little bit more what you mean by experiential learning?
2: You know, probably the best way to do that is to use an analogy. We all remember the movie The Matrix, right? Towards the end of the movie, our heroes, Trinity and Neo, find themselves trapped on the roof of the agent's headquarters. This is the first movie. And their only escape is via a military helicopter. The problem is, neither of them knows how to fly a helicopter. So, what does Trinity do? Just like every hero, she calls her learning management system, of course, and in this case the LMS is represented by a phone operator named Tank. Trinity requests a specific learning object, how to fly a helicopter, and Tank downloads the skills directly into her brain. You can appreciate the experiential significance here. Once Trinity has received the skills, she and Neo fly the helicopter to safety and continue to save the world. In this example, most of the paradigms in technology exist today, just-in-time, context-sensitive, mission-critical, immersive skills transfer. The only part we haven't been able to perfect is how to download the skills directly into your brain in 10 seconds. I'm sure we'll all have USB ports behind our ears very soon.
1: (laughs) Good point. Another question that came to mind is, what role does the traditional classroom play in the experiential learning paradigm?
2: Well, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So um, experiential learning, while it's a a new rising paradigm and uh, has a tremendous impact on the nature of work and, and the digital native, it does not replace the classroom. It's more of a bridge that helps you cross the chasm from traditional just-in-case academia to the -the day-in-the-life on-the-job training. Perfect example is I went to college and and got a degree in genetics just in case I wanted to become a scientist. Uh, Today, of course, I'm building new learning paradigms. It has nothing to do with science. I learned all that on the job. Both are important and both play a key role in professional development. The strength of the traditional classroom model lies in its inherent structure. It allows students to learn a predefined range of skills in a linear controlled manner. However, it's not flexible enough and it's not fast enough for today's student. Experiential learning as part of a prescribed academic curriculum can provide an engaging day in the life context for academic skills. It's it's much more real. So I think the two play together, whether the traditional classroom is brick and mortar or virtual.
1: Can you provide a few more examples of experiential learning solutions?
2: Many people get confused about experiential learning. In many academic environments, the experiential learning program is reserved for internships, where students, maybe you know, in their junior year, will spend six months working in the field. And that's truly experiential. What we're trying to do and what we're seeing is technology has made it possible for students to have virtual internships, to engage in -in day-in-the-life immersive on-the-job training, but do it from their computer, do it from class, do it from home. So the power of experiential learning comes from four unique student experiences, each designed to enable the students to achieve this day-in-the-life experience. The first is student desktops, and these are like virtual lockers. Where the student can get remote access to the software they need, to cloud based storage. It's very much a information technology type capability. And if you take that one step further, the second is live labs. And live labs allow students to matriculate further in the degree program because they're engaged at a more personal level with the live systems. Not only do they gain greater IT skills through enhanced cognitive encoding and practice but they graduate fully prepared for valuable IT certifications. In the time it would take a student to receive on-the-job training, for example, they can earn a degree in as much as 100 hours of hands-on IT experience using student desktops and live labs. The second two are more revolutionary. Interactive scenarios and immersive learning environments. They're the next revolution, so to speak, of experiential learning. These day-in-the-life experiences involve a story. We all love a good story. Students are given a real-life context for an exercise. They're guided through a virtual world filled with virtual people. Think very much you know, Second Life or World of Warcraft, but in a Dilbert kind of real-world environment. The virtual world conveys to the students that the skills they are learning have real-world implications and real-world applications. A question isn't asked for its own sake, nor is technology deployed and configured for its own stake. It is this experience that brings relevance and authenticity to the the experience.
1: I know you have a couple of powerful partnerships with universities. Could you describe one or two of them?
2: Probably the most powerful is the University of Phoenix because they've employed all four of these different experiential learning solutions over over the course of four or five years. We've been working with Axia College and the University of Phoenix instructional design staff to co-create a series of six IT concentrations that appeal to a wide interest of those focused on information technology, things like programming, web design, networking architecture, etc. cetera. The combination of these six focused concentrations built on the foundations of experiential learning has helped bolster the University of Phoenix student experience and has led to some pretty impressive results. For example, course completion. Since launching the new Toolwire enabled AAIT concentrations in 2008, course completion has risen 22 percent. The students are more engaged and they're more successful. In addition, there seems to be a strong correlation between using the Experiential Learning Labs and completing the AAIT courses. For example, Almost 80% of the IT students who complete the Toolwire enabled courses spend more than 90 minutes in the lab. They keep coming back for more because they like it. Beyond the classroom, we also positioned ourselves as a true partner, trying to understand their business model and aid in the University of Phoenix success. We built internal training for enrollment counselors and gave them better skills to guide potential students to the best concentration for their skill profile. The result is pretty interesting. Since partnering with Toolwire in 2006, the University of Phoenix enrollment conversion rate is up 176% overall, and the networking conversion rate is up 259%. The idea is they're talking about experiential learning, putting it on the website, and the students are getting excited about the idea of engaging in real-life examples, real-life environments during their schooling.
1: David, I can't thank you enough for sharing all of your expertise with us today. I know there are members of the audience listening today who would love to have contact information.
2: Absolutely. You can get a copy of the case study or any information about art experiential learning student experiences at www.toolwire.com. And you can contact me directly. I would love to have a dialogue with you, uh, Clark, D-C-L-A-R-K-E, at toolwire.com.
1: David, thank you very much. This is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association. And if you would like more information about USDLA, you can find us at www.usdla.org. Thank you, and have a great day.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States plus approximately 40 other countries. The Fischler School of Education and Human Services is dedicated to the enhancement and continuing support of teachers, administrators, trainers, and others working in related helping professions throughout the world.